tuning you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh, it's been a long Friday. week. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's felt like a long week. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, in next week, we're going to be together in Orlando. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing yep. five shows together, I think, right? Five shows. Yeah. Well, actually, Monday's show will be early before we head to Orlando. So it'll be early right. in the morning. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll get four shows together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, there might yeah, be a different time. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah we're going to be right. out there for Bertha University, actually. So yeah. Bertha University, if you still are looking to find something to do next week and learn a little bit more about how to run and operate really profitable birthday parties, check out Bertha University. And if you go to lbxers.com slash BU, you can get a scholarship. It's a $400 value. So full paid scholarship. Hop on to lbxers.com slash BU if you still are looking for something to do next week and some great yes. education to get and to hang out with us for a couple of days. Yeah. So, there like, you go. Love to share cupcakes with you. So come on down. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I know that's amazing. I'm sure that people will come just for the cupcakes. No. <laughs> All right. So some news that came up recently, just today, uh, just read about K1 Speed has now acquired a couple of a couple of more companies, so Autobahn and Accelerate Indoor Speedway, and that company had 11 locations. And those locations were actually spread across four new states. So this acquisition now gets them into Alabama, Maryland, New York, and Wisconsin. And as a result of this acquisition, K1 Speed now operates 83 83 locations in 29 states and seven countries. So these guys just keep getting bigger and bigger and are now the largest, uh, now as a result of this, are the largest single corporate umbrella for go-karting, uh, go-karting locations. And if anyone's been to a K1 karting and speed, they're pretty straightforward, high-speed carts, some arcade and some F&B, and that's uh, you know pretty straightforward karting venues. And the, all these new venues, they're going to be overhauled. It's going to reflect the K1 karting experience and the branding. Then in fact, uh, they'll, they'll stay all electric karting venues. So if any of these were not all electric, then they'll be converted to all electric and the leagues and tournaments will also be overhauled because K1 hosts its own yearly leagues and they have a world championship. And so, um, you know, any tournament or league that was a part of these old locations will now also be part of uh, K1 speed. So, yeah. Um, and eventually, if, and also if these other locations didn't have arcade, didn't have F&B or the, at least the broad F&B that, that K1 has, those will also be added in as well. So yeah, right on. K1 right on. speed keeps getting bigger. Yeah, like all these mergers and acquisitions. Hey, it's just crazy. That's what we should have done. We should have predicted the mergers and acquisitions of 2024. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, those? exactly. Accelerating. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. the only the only merger and acquisition we we predicted is Chuck E. Cheese, and so that's yeah. still to be still to be determined. But I would not be surprised if we see that one get scooped up this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. And it's nuts that there is actually go-kart tracks out there that are not on electric engines. Like the carbon monoxide in those places must be insane, right? Like, I don't know, the staff are probably all wonkers because they've been inhaling all this stuff. Even uh, with the systems, even with the ventilation systems, they're still nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, super dangerous. Like it's, in, it's so I worked at Leslie's Pool Supply, which is like a, you know, pool supply place for yeah. a while. And like, I worked there wait, for three wait, months. Wait. 
Oh yeah, I worked, for, I worked there for three months. I was an assistant manager. This was like 20 years ago. So uh, I was assistant manager there, but all the people who've been working there for like a year or longer, like all the general managers and the regional managers, all their hands shook like this, Oh, like all of them. And I was like, as soon as I realized that I started like noticing this, I was like, oh, I got to get out of this place. Like, cause you're, you're in there with all these chemicals and the chemical smells, you're inhaling it all the time. And like, you don't even know it. It's not like you're getting high or anything, but like, it's just eating, like, it's crazy. All their hands were like shake like this. And I don't even know if they noticed it, but anyway, it's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. But I was, I was going to say, so what, you were a pool boy? (laughs) (laughs) I was not a pool boy. No, this, I was a, I was, I was a retail. um, So I did fix pool equipment, but it was all people brought it in and I sold chlorine and, you know, all that shit that you need to clean pools. So Anyway, yeah, I was not a, I was, it wasn't a pool boy though. A <laughs> uh, topic for another time. All right. Okay. Yeah. What else? Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of mergers and acquisitions, one of the companies that obviously recently merged with main event, Dave and Buster's, we've talked about them a number of times in the show and they've been really struggling to figure out their, their new model going forward because yeah. like, their old model just isn't working like purely like their revenue is going down year over year. Everybody talks about the fact that their food and beverage is terrible. In fact, um, the one of the stats in this article that I was reading here, um, and we'll get to some pictures because they basically are creating this store of the future. So their new location in Dallas, well, it's not their new location, their remodeled location in Dallas is their, you know, basically their completely reimagined home base and it will open on February 9th and it has basically what they what what they're projecting to be all their like to happen to all their new Dave and Busters like so all the new ones will reflect this and eventually they'll work on re um, you know rolling out this new model to all their other Dave and Busters yeah. and so uh, like just on the food and beverage side I was reading that there they went from 60 57% of guests ordered food in the past that in the recent summer investor call is now 39%. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> 39% of your customers. Really scary. That's really scary when all you have in your facility are games and food. Like that's it. And only 39% of your customers are like, it's no wonder the revenue is going down because they're per cap. It's just dropping astronomically as a result of that F&B reduction. And it's no wonder. And we've talked about this. If you're going to go to some place and watch sports and eat some shitty wings, why are you going to Dave and Buster's? Go to your local sports bar and have some shitty wings and watch sports and have a beer. There's no reason to go to Dave and Buster's unless you're there specifically to play the games. And yeah, agreed. It, yeah. It's a tired model. Needs needs changing. So, but it, but it sounds like they're this this new model that they have. It's they've upgraded the food items and they're cre- they've created what I call girl food. <laughs> so shareables, right? Which makes sense, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so um, maybe we just look at a couple of pictures and talk about some of the things that they're doing. Yeah. All right. Great. So, you know, here's a little overview, like already you're, you can just begin to see like any of you, if you've any of you been to Dave and Buster's recently, like this whole idea of like these little micro lounges, like micro, uh, they call them micro rooms. Um, and you play digital darts and we've already covered the digital, um, the social shuffleboard. So their shuffleboard that they have that's digital uh, as well. And this is just one area, but like you just see, obviously the flooring, the decor, the walls, the you know, kind of openness, the wood tables, like it's very much more modern contempt, like something that looks fun and inviting to come into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see the grill food on the table there. 
Right. You can see exactly. Yeah, you can see the girl food on the table. And yeah, I mean, and so what they're trying to do is they're they're like trying to open up an area that's called the arena. And so this arena is revolutionary gameplay technology identified by Dave and Busters. They'll have multiple ways to connect and compete with wall-to-wall gaming, and they're going to charge $5 for this experience. So, you know, it's fully transparent exterior. So, like, as you can see, there's glass and stuff, like, you can see around. Up to eight players can participate in these features, and they call it, like, you know, fully immersive media, audio, and tactile solutions. I'm guessing as well that the, besides that, they didn't really say that that this is immersive game box, but it has a very like immersive game box feel to this because you're it's not, it's not, it's not. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's the custom developed for them, but it has like a very similar feel to an immersive game box. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. what they're trying to accomplish there. And then this other area where actually you see right here is their, is their interactive social bays. And this is their social darts bays and their social shuffleboard bays. And it offers private reservable spaces and suites for up to two to six players and so, you know, you can see here, here's another angle for the social darts. And then here's their social shuffleboard. Apparently their photographer really likes knuckles. So, you know, if you want to, you want, you want to see a photo for theirs, like, Hey, do some knuckles. Cause you're going to see that in all their photos. Um, this is their new area where they've got their sports. So their sports is now has a 40 foot wall, a 40 foot viewing option. So long, massive wall other than other TVs as well. And surround, uh, you know, surrounding the bar, there's a VIP watch room as well with bottle service. So, like, they actually have bottle service at an, um, there. So, anyway, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff so far? Yeah, like, my overall feel, like, questions. <laughs> like, how do these little rooms work? And can you actually make money in these little rooms? Because you say it's anywhere from, like, two to six or two to eight people in there. Like, well, what if two people go in? You're not going to have other random groups of two people going in as well. Like, it's supposed to be a reserved area for you and your friends. So are you losing out on money and revenue if two people go into that room? Like, how, how are they going to price and structure that is my first question. And how big are these spots, right? And is there a time yeah. limit on them? How does that work? Yeah, but, um- we don't have answers to all those things yet. Um, my assumption is it's a time limit because that's the way some of these things work. You know, you reserve them for an hour, just like you do with like a bowling lane. Um, and I would hope, again, we don't know the pricing yet because they haven't published it on their website, but I would hope that their pricing would be based on the bay reservation and not on a, on a per like, person like a because that, that helps solve that problem. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If they did it like a bowling lane, that would be cool, like 50 bucks an hour or something like that right on, Right. But, you know, the thing I really did like about this is I felt like they have created like the ultimate party environment, right? Like if you go back to that last slide there with the big wall where you're you're broadcasting sports, like to me, I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to go out and watch a sports game, this is where I want to go because I can see that wall from anywhere in the bar, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's like the games like the darts and the shuffleboard are accessible between periods or trimesters no what is what are they called periods or, or innings or whatever oh, or whatever shit. they are it depends on which sport it depends on which sport <laughs> then it's cool if you can like go on over the shuffleboard and play something while you're waiting for the the hockey to come back on you know what i mean i think that's cool this being able to shift but then someone's sitting there for your whole three hours watching a hockey game or a football game whatever and they're not leaving that table and you want to make sure that they're buying enough food to compensate for that. Like that, that would be the one thing that I wrap my head around. And I also wonder how comfortable are those chairs and are those stools? Like, are you encouraging people to stay because they're comfy like coaches and you're snuggling in, or are they just kind of a bit uncomfortable, more like bar stools where you kind of want to get people up and moving around? 
Yeah, I mean, just by looking at them, they, they don't, I mean, they probably are like relatively comfortable for like an hour, but I probably don't want to sit and watch a three hour football game there. But, you know, hopefully what they're doing is like you're watching the football game and then you move to a darts, you know, to one of the dark bays and they've got the, they've got, uh, you know, TVs in because you saw they have TVs in the dark bays as well. So I can continue watching the football game while I'm also, you know, they're, they've got the TVs in there. So I can watch that while I'm playing darts and like it becomes a much more, and you notice like, where's the arcade like yeah. yes there's still oh, an arcade right. but significant reduction of square footage for their arcade and really yeah. driving towards the social competition angle and with their you know between their what they're calling their immersive watch which is a tv they're calling it their interactive social base and then they're calling it their uh the arena like between those three things like very much driving towards the social aspect and away from just the arcades where you tend to play one to three players maybe four players at the same time so definitely a significant shift and i actually don't think it's a bad one i think that this model could do well for them you know there's already models like flight club that are exclusively digital darts and food and, and high-end food and beverage and so i think for them at least the the, the telling part will be how well can they evolve their fnb and they have talked about like they have three phases of their F and B. I don't know if you, did you read about the three phases of their F and B? Yeah. So in phase one, you know, basically they're just focusing on um, enhancing the price value proposition. They're also trying to um, uh, try to simplify their food menu, but also elevate their food menu. And obviously like, you know, classic like food and food menu one oh one when you're assembling it, like, have multiple different offerings, but leverage the same food, but in different combinations and unique ways. So it helps cut your costs, reduce your costs and preparation time as well. Um, Fresh products, optimized pricing, easier ordering systems than they have today. And then in phase two, they're, they're um, trying to drive a 5% increase in F and B revenue per, per check, which, you know, is obviously a really big deal, especially if they've been in the decline. So if they can annually increase 5% in revenue per check, and then phase three is um, really targeted through innovation, you know, culinary innovation. So appetizers, bowls, desserts, sides that align with the company's updated hospitality model. So again, this is that girl food model you're talking about where they're really trying to just, okay, optimize costs, optimize delivery, and then optimize the actual food um, that we're bringing out to the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I hope that strategy works for them, but I hope their food is different because if they're going to do the same kind of food that you get already at these people that are doing elevated eating experiences, I just don't, I don't think it's going to be that successful. Like they need to put different offerings and like on the table here. And I know this is just a picture, but these little satay looks like satay chicken skewers and some, I don't know. Fish that looks like fish and chips, chips, frankly, like a stack of fish and chips, which, yeah, you know. I don't know. I just, I just think it has to be different. And I think that honestly, Dave and Buster's is in a good position to make things different and do things differently. And they get the data. They have the data from their customers. I hope they make good decisions because if anyone's going to do it, they're the ones that can do it. Yeah. You know, totally, totally agree. Yeah. My my last comment about this is the one thing I hope they do not forget, because I still think that this is going to be the most important thing is their culture. And if their culture does not come along with what they're doing here, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It's still going to be a flop. If they cannot run this model effectively, it's still going to be a flop, right? So yes, I, yes. I hope that that's a big piece that they focus on. 
Yeah, I totally agree uh, because it doesn't matter how refreshed your aesthetics are. And while I think that they've done a great job, I mean, I'm actually a big fan of this. Ref- I would like, I would, I would consider potentially going to Dave and Buster's and hanging out with you know yeah. people in this new model, this new social model. Um, if the staff are still, uh, you know, not, like every story is different, right? Depends on your general manager and the leadership that you have at that location. But like, if in general it's just mediocre service, I totally agree with you. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna work. You still have to have a quality guest experience, and that includes yeah. um, primarily includes your staff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and then okay, actually, here's another question that I just was noodling on: is what happens if there's no uh, sports being broadcasted? Like, if there's no games, if there's no hockey, there's no football, and people aren't coming in to watch it, then what happens to your crowd and to the people? Like, because people will go out together in groups to watch that together, and so the bays make sense. But if that's not happening, are they still going out together in groups to do these things? I, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the issue there is um, that, uh, you know, I think, well, yeah, good question. I, I, first of all, in the United States, like unless you're, it's during the day, you have sports on almost every night. Like there's really truly only one night where there isn't like one night a year. It's like, it's like this big black hole and everybody writes about it one night a year where there's literally no sports. Otherwise there's always some game playing because we just, we have so many different sports here. And so I don't think you have to worry about that necessarily. Now it may not be uh, you know, maybe baseball and maybe nobody wants to go watch baseball, that game, that particular game or whatever. But I think that was probably a problem in their old model. I think this new model is interesting with the social bays and the interactivity. Like it's now, you know, again, it's like combining the flight club with a couple of other things with some arcades and some F and B and like, well now if I have flight club and if I have Dave and Buster's, I'll probably going to, unless I just like the flight club experience better, I'm going to go Dave and Buster's, right? Unless, yeah, so. there's more variety, more option. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if, even if I'm not going to watch sports, right? I, I'm, I'm still going to choose Dave and Buster's over something else. Yeah, that's right. I hear you. Yeah. And I don't think they could even be playing movies on the big screen and they could still create an entertaining environment for people to come in. Right. So yep, yeah, exactly. For sure. Okay. Right. Have we, have we tied that up with a bow? Uh, I think we've done pretty well. Yeah. I think we've done good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to, I, I want to learn about this kid. Like tell me about okay. the, you, yeah. the seven year old kid, right? So what's going right. on? Yeah. Let's wrap the show up with this kid here. All right. Okay. Yeah. So this, this kid, Matthew, and I'm going to just pull up his cute little face on screen here. Okay. Matthew Sleeman. He is a seven year old from Middlesex County, um, in fourth grade. And he is also now the youngest patent holder in the United States. Now, Matthew has created something extraordinary. They're called aqua bricks. And I'm going to pull up a picture and just bear with me as I explain. And they are a set of color-changing building bricks that come alive when wet. So you can see the, the, and this is just, I I thought this would be so much more exciting. (laughs) But anyway, you can see the Lego block at the top and it's got this paint over top. And so it creates this kind of opaquey white color. But when it gets wet, you can see on the bottom, it shows the color or any kind of markings that are underneath it. So really cool if you have like a water bin that you're playing with these toys in, or maybe in the bathtub with the kids, you know, playing around. Anyway, this invention was born from just a simple idea of having fun and playing with building blocks. Now, under the guidance of his father, who I should also mention is a patent attorney, so this is all making sense to everybody, I'm sure now, (laughs) Uh, Matthew experimented with special paints and water and transformed his vision into a patented reality. So uh, he has he's got the patent filed now, youngest person ever to achieve this, and uh, I think the message here is age is no barrier to innovation and creativity. Yeah, I think it's a great message, and 
I love the fact that this kid was like, hey, I want to try to come up with something interesting. I think it's convenient that his dad happens to be a patent attorney because patents that successfully get through the, you know, through the, the patent office here in the United States are few and far between. Like it's incredibly difficult to yeah. get one through. Um, but he did a he did a great job. Uh, I think like I, I love this idea. I think that they have greater potential in licensing this product than probably selling the create it like a package oh. and selling it. Like I could see Mattel or Hasbro or even Lego. Probably not Lego, but like you know one of these companies you know buying this up or like we were talking before the show like little tykes and you know some some bath toys or something like that would be yeah. uh, you know would be really cool like bath toys that are like, you know, totally white. And then all of a sudden I'm playing with them and then like, boom, all of a sudden they have all these colors and designs and you know stuff. Like, I think that's a pretty cool concept. I wonder how fast it goes opaque again. Like if it's just when it goes dry or if it like, like, does it, yeah, is know. it back and forth? It's, it'd be interesting to, to know. know and then just more. selling the product, like I could see Crayola, like buying, like licensing it and selling like a, a version of this glue or whatever that you could put on anything you want and then like make this like the secret agent thing where like I could write this stuff here, put this glue over the top and then give it to a yeah. friend and, yeah. you know, a teacher sees this and I'm like, what do you got? You know, oh, there's nothing there. And then the kid that like, goes into the bathroom and like puts it under the faucet. And now it says a secret message. Like, do you want to go to the dance with me? Check yes. You know, or check no. And then like check yes and no. And then they like, go back and, you know, something like that. Where does this come from? But yes. Okay. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it needs, but every single like one of these blocks needs to come with like a secret, like uh, a water gun. So you can like spray at it or do something fun to kind of create, you know, some interactivity with it. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I could get a tattoo. And then if I, if like, if I could get a tattoo as a, as a, as a kid <laughs> and then like if my parents would want me to get a tattoo, I could put this glue over my arm and then like, they can't see it. And then like, right. my, but I want to show my friends. And so I like, I put some right. water on my arms. Hey, check out my cool tat. And right. like, I, 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 see parents. I see where yeah. this is going. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's Friday after all. All right. All right. Oh, all right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Into on that note. That is... mind. <laughs> uh, well, that wraps up the daily show for today. This is CB and VW signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass. <laughs> Later skaters. <laughs>